VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff. entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, Inspiration for the Entrepreneurial Mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchievemore.com and CC1Consulting.com, and I'm delighted to be uh, back with you again uh, this week. And we've got a really exciting show today. We're going to talk about uh, being bold and how to be brave in business and win. Uh, now, before we, we start talking about that, I firstly want to say a big thank you to uh, last week's guests, former Olympic swimmer and double Commonwealth champion Chris Cook and his sports psychologist Sean Hartley, who I thought were great guests last week. And they shared uh, their unique take about becoming world class. And I absolutely loved some of the principles, in particular the paradigm shift uh, initiated by Chris's coach. When Chris complained that he was overloaded, uh, the coach said, rubbish, all you have to do is swim two lengths of the pool as fast as you can. And then what they did, the whole strategy, they focused on the whole team helping Chris swim two lengths of the pool as fast as he can. Anything else um, was superfluous and was dropped. And everything that helped him was uh, focused on. So, you know, I'd ask you the question, what are you doing that is superfluous to helping you with your objectives right now? If you haven't heard it, the show is now in the archive and it's well worth a listen. On another note, I was thinking back about who's really inspired me this week. And I've been with some really interesting people this week. However, um, I'm a little bit, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I was with my six-year-old son, Matthew, and he really got to me this week. Now, he's been drawing lots and lots of pictures and I asked him why. And he said, it's because, Daddy, I want to sell them to get lots of money for people who don't have any money. Now, a few months ago, a relative gave him a little money. And I said, what are you going to do with it? And he said, well, Daddy, I want to buy a tap. I said, why? Uh, because I saw some people on the television who don't have any water. And I want to give them a tap so they can have some. Uh, so I'm really proud that he's gaining a real sense of social responsibility at such a young age. And his, his education, his normal, normal uh, school education is uh, helping him with that. But today, we're talking about being bold. So just like being charitable in nature and swimming two lengths of a pool as fast as you can, uh, being bold is an attitude of mind measured by how you behave. If you think things, it's no use just thinking them. You have to get into action with them. So what is the attitude and behaviors required as we emerge from recession to grow your market share irrespective of the size of your business? Uh, like Chris Cook and his swimming, sometimes a single shift in mindset and behavior can make all the difference. I define conventional wisdom, walking against the crowd and trying new ways of doing things to succeed. Therefore, listen to the whole of this interview with a pad of papers. There will be some real gems. Decide what you'll put into action and do it after the show. Maybe it's just one or two things, but get them done. My guest today is Sean Smith, a leader in expanding management attention from the narrow focus on customer service to the wider, more strategic drive towards customer ex experience. 
Sean's spoken to audiences across the world and in many sectors. He's a fellow of the Professional Speaking Association, where I met him first, and was recently presented with the Professional Speaking Award of Excellence. My other guest is Andy Milligan. Uh, Andy is a leading international brand and business consultant. He advises CEOs, boards, and senior managers on strategies for developing brands and growing business. Um, I think he might be typing away in the background at the moment. Um, he's, he's directed major programs in Japan, South Korea, Singapore, the USA, and Europe for many major international brands. Andy's often on CNN, the BBC, and CNBC. And now he can add Be More, Achieve More on Voice America. He's also a regular international conference speaker, and both Sean and Andy have co-authored and published a number of very successful books, and Andy and Sean's latest book is Bold, How to Be Brave in Business and Win, and it examines brands that are transforming their markets through innovation, use of digital marketing, and was recently awarded CMI's Management Tea Book of the Year 2012. So a big welcome to Sean and Andy. Hello. Thanks so indeed. Uh, great. I think we've got uh, Andy on a phone line, no, sorry, Sean on a phone line and uh, Andy on Skype at the moment. So if, you, if it sound, they sound a little bit different, uh, that's why. But welcome to you both, guys. Um, Sean, can, so I, can, I, can, I, can I start off with you? Um, what made you decide to write Bold? Well, as Andy and I go around the world talking with organizations and uh, consulting, we, we were kind of observing um, some common things happening, particularly in the depths of the recession. You know, there seemed to be some brands that were really thriving in the recession. You know, so for example, in 2009, when General Motors was going bust, Audi was declaring an 823 million euro profit for the first half of the year. Um, some brands were busy transforming their marketplaces. So an example of that is, is Virgin Galactic. Um, in the um, recent era, uh, it was, the minimum price of getting a seat into space was $20 million. Virgin Galactic are doing it for $200,000. And then thirdly, there are some brands that are just redefining business, changing the way that business operates. And a great example of that is Google. And so we started thinking about what it is that these brands are doing um, to be so successful, and what are their, their founders, their entrepreneurs doing? And uh, that led them to sort of two years of research looking at these great brands, and that led to the book. Fantastic. And, and I wonder, you know, with, with being bold, um, isn't there a danger of being bold becoming reckless? Well, that's something which people often ask about, you know, isn't it the same thing? And, and we believe it's they're two very different things, but... Uh, if you take Virgin Galactic, for example, going into space as a private venture is incredibly bold. Um, the whole technology that they're using is, is bold, but they're going about it in an incredibly disciplined, thoughtful way so that uh, they're testing, uh, doing very, very thorough testing. They're taking three or four years to get the first flight into space and so on. So they're going through this incredibly uh, rigorous process to make sure um, that the flights are going to be incredibly safe, absolutely safe. So it's about being bold, having a big vision, having that, that big view, if you will, but not being reckless, not taking So it's, it's more about maybe doing it differently, is it? That's right, yeah. It's, it's doing differently uh, and thinking bolder, uh, thinking bigger. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not taking that, that short-term risk. Sure, sure. And Andy, um, what are the issues that you see for companies that uh, are not taking this approach? Well, the, there are three main issues I think you'll find. One of them is unless companies nowadays demonstrate 
a real sense of purpose before profit and a sense that they're putting their customers' interests before their shareholders' interests, then they rapidly lose relevance with uh, customers. Uh, one of the things that uh, really accelerates that issue is, of course, social and digital media, where um, if you do something wrong, if you're perceived to behave in an inauthentic way, if you're perceived to be putting the needs of a few, and usually those few being you know, your shareholders, um, above the, uh, the, the, your purpose and of your customers, then quickly your reputation can spark, can, can, uh, can be damaged. Um, you could argue we're seeing that in the, la in the, in the last few days with the um, disputes over uh, whether certain companies are, are paying uh, or avoiding paying the, the right share of taxes even in, in the UK. So one of them is, is losing relevance with customers and, and creating um, a sort of army of people out there bashing away on their, their blogosphere, um, uh, attacking your reputation. And the second one is um, unless you're prepared to strongly stand out and do something different, you're going to get lost in the crowd. Um, there's no doubt that we are experiencing nowadays an incredible explosion of businesses, new businesses, businesses that are creating uh, new ventures, new products, no certain new services. All of these things are competing for our, our attention. All of them are throwing uh, marketing resource at us. Um, and if you're not doing something that really cuts through all that, it's, it's very easy, I think, to get lost or overtaken. And the final point is it's not just about customers finding you. Well, the other great battles that all businesses are in, whether they are a one-man band or a major corporation, is the war for talent. And new generations of employees are attracted to businesses that are purposeful, do things distinctively, uh, have great cultures. And if you want to win the future, you need to have the right talent and the best talent on board. Um, and that's another risk if you aren't prepared to stand up and stand out for something. It makes, uh, makes an awful lot of sense. And I, I guess it's quite, quite an interesting position being a CEO of an organization who wants to be bold and is in between shareholders and doing what's right to stand out. Yes, it is. And, you know, this is always the, the dilemma that um, w people ask us whenever Sean and I are talking. And we've this is, as you say, um, Chris, the, um, the third book we've written together. Um, and we, we keep returning to this theme that if you really want to be successful, then your number one priority is to focus on your customers. Uh, and in fact, actually, in many ways, you might even argue focus on your empl employees as a leader, let your employees look after your customers. And then what do you know? Your, they'll look after your profits and your shareholders. But there is no doubt about it. In the end, you've got to make a choice. Um, you have to make the choice that if you look after your customers and the customer offer, the shareholders will be pleased. And some of the great brands, the great businesses that have been very successful over years have taken that choice. In the UK, Tesco has taken that choice. Uh, and, you know, they've done very well. Um, I think a great example from the book we talk about is um, O2. Um, which is the uh, one of the biggest and most successful uh, telecoms operators in in the UK that was spun out of the old uh, British Telecom. Uh, it used to be branded BT Cellnet. Uh, it was a very engineering and sales-led organisation. It was spun out uh, into a new business, and when they formed that new business out of BT, they took an intentional choice that they were going to be a customer-centric organization. And that was a decision made at the, at the very top of the new of the board. Um, and the, in doing that, 
um, they completely transformed the market. Um, when they started O2, it was derided by the press. The Financial Times called it a daft name and they would throw away goodwill and it was an orphan uh, pro- uh, company. Four years later, that orphan company was being bought by Telefonica for $17.7 billion and had become, within uh, a few years, the number one um, communications company in the UK. Uh, if I could just add a, a point to what uh, Andy was uh, saying there, uh, he was talking about you know the, the the fact that when you are really customer focused and your brand differentiated, um, then you get great results, and also it becomes really powerful for your employees as well. Just coincidentally, I was interviewing uh, Mark Constantine, who's the chief executive of Lush, uh, the retailer that they've got 856 stores around the world, incredibly successful. And he was saying that they really started Lush with a, a, a customer insight um, around creating sort of really fresh organic cosmetics and so on. But he also said, I was asking, how do you find all your people? And he said, well, we don't. They find us. Um, the people come to us because they really love what the brand stands for. And I think that's just a great example of, of what Andy was saying, where the brand brings those two elements together, the customer and the employee. I think that's a really good point, isn't it? Because uh, I mean, you, how often do you hear when, you, when you're out there talking to leaders are struggling to get the right talent? So if, you, if you're bold and you stand out and you do something different, and Lush is a, a brand that seems to have done that, then you know, what you're saying is that uh, people come to you. They want to work to you, with you. Um, yes, if, and if it's authentic, and that's the key point, uh, that it has to be authentically part of uh, of your business and you know to who you are and if you're an entrepreneur when you're starting off um that's one of the great uh, advantages you have uh that you can attract people through the authenticity of your personality and your vision uh in a way that sometimes big companies it struggle to take on uh, great uh, talent um because there is sometimes a sense that people have. I think I just get lost in that organisation. They will become. A, I become a corporate soulless automaton rather than joining an organisation where I think these are people like me engaged in a in a great and uh, and fun purpose. And there's certainly not something nice about working for an organisation that you can put your arms around and understand. Um, yes. As opposed to a huge multinational where you maybe just a cog in the wheel and never really get the, to the bigger picture. Anyway, we're going to go to commercial break now. We shall be back um, after the break. And after the break, we're going to talk about um, some of the eight, the eight key principles behind the research in bold. And there'll be some nuggets in there that I think you'll find valuable, whether you've got a large business or you're listening here as the leader of a big one. So we'll be back again with you in a, just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, BeMoreAchievemore.com and CC1Consulting.com. And I'm, I'm uh, delighted to be talking about Bold with uh, Sean Smith and Andy Milligan. And I think we might have sorted uh, Andy's, so Sean's sound out. So, uh, Sean, um, I wonder if you could maybe share with us what the key principles are behind your research. Yes, certainly. Well, as I said, we did two years of research and we did in-depth interviews with a a number of of executives of of the 14 brands that we ended up writing about. So we identified many things, but they really clustered around eight key dimensions. And we then uh, actually validated these dimensions. um, So we know that these are the eight things that really do make a difference. And the number one is to keep the main thing the main thing. And what that really means is to have a singularity of purpose. And I think that's particularly important if you're an entrepreneur, if you're starting a new business, you really do need to start out with that focus of what are we going to do which is special and different for our customers. Um, without that singularity of purpose, uh, it's just so easy to become just another Me Too brand. The second is, is that zealous leadership. Having identified what it is that you really want to stand for, you've then got to stick with it. It's so easy that when operational problems come along or perhaps um, you're having a bad quarter or there are some other difficulties to let go of that main purpose, that, that vision, and to take uh, the short-term expedient route. And uh, once you start doing that, it's very, very hard to regain that, 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 that sense of purpose. The third thing is infectious communication. You know, there are now 110 million smartphone users in the U.S. and the U.K. Uh, People are just transacting their business increasingly through mobile channels. And so what we need to do is to get our voice heard. Now, the good news for startup businesses and entrepreneurs is that it makes it much easier to actually get a business off the ground. The barriers to entry have largely been removed because we can be sitting in our back bedroom uh, using Skype as we are now, using digital marketing and Facebook to actually get our voice out there. We don't need big budgets and above-the-line marketing any any longer. And that's and that's really created a level playing field for people starting businesses. The fourth thing is to dramatize the experience. Um, There is just so much out there. There are so many businesses. You can pretty much buy whatever you want, wherever you want, whenever you want. And the challenge is to get cut through, is to have your voice heard and to differentiate from your competitors. And one way of doing that is to dramatize the experience. Now, what do we mean by dramatize the experience? Uh, What we mean by that is to bring alive, if you will, your brand promise in ways which are distinctive and which are enduring for your customers so that they remember you. 
Um, and that leads us on to the next one, which is really in pursuit of well. And, and pursuit of well is creating those moments, those memorable moments that really cause customers to say, wow, that was incredible. I've never experienced that before. Uh, that was just a fantastic experience. And, and that's what really leads to, to customer retention and loyalty. Um, in order to achieve all of that, you've got to create what we call a cult-like culture. Now, that sounds a little bit sinister, um, and we don't mean cult-like in that sense, but what we do mean is cult-like in the pure sense of culture, and that is creating um, an internal environment of, of people, if you will, which you, who buy into the same kinds of values and who really subscribe to to your purpose. It's about being on the journey with people who are, who, who share your values. Um, and one way of in- ensuring that is the next point, which is having rites and rituals, almost rites of passage. Um, so, for example, if you take Zappos, uh, the online retailer, one of the things that Tony Shea does is at the end of the first week of training uh, is to offer the new hires, the people that have just been trained, $2,000 to leave. Why? Well, because he wants to make sure that they're the right fit for the organization and they really want to be part of the brand. And if there's any ambivalence on that part, any uncertainty, he would rather them take the $2,000 to leave. And that's become a right, a ritual uh, for that organization. And the final thing is about measuring what matters. And of course, anybody starting a business is going to be paying a lot of attention to the numbers and any commercial enterprise needs to do that. But actually what we need to do is to get upstream in our measurement and measure the things that matter to customers because if we do that and if we're successful, well, guess what? The numbers will take care of themselves. So those are the the eight things that we found are absolutely true for the brands that we studied. And as I said, we turned that into a survey um, that, in fact, we can make available to to your listeners later on. Fantastic. Um, let's um, let's let's talk about some of those. I don't know if we'll have the time to do the whole lot, but let's uh, maybe start at the the beginning. And I noted down that you you said keep the main thing the main thing. So you know maybe say a little bit more about what you mean about that, Sean, and 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 how do you keep it the main thing? Okay. As I said, it, it, it's about starting with that sense of, of what makes us different. What do we, what do we care about? Um, and it's really important to know that because we know that starting a business, uh, leading a business is not an easy thing. Um, and it, it, it becomes your compass. It becomes your north star, if I can put it that way. When you're clear about what it is that you stand for, it helps you make those decisions. Good example of that is one of our favorite brands called Innocent. And Innocent uh, makes smoothies, drinks. And the three founders of Innocence started out with the, the notion of making a smoothie which had nothing in it apart from fruit. In fact, they call it, they say, nothing but the fruit. And, of course, as they started making these smoothies uh, on the, the, literally their kitchen table, and then they started selling more of them, they needed to be commercial. They needed to turn the whole thing into a commercial enterprise. And very soon what they found was that in order to meet with uh, European regulations and so on, they needed to start putting in ingredients and stabilizers and um, uh, preservatives and all of these things. And they said, well, no, 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 because if we do that, we're simply going to be another, yet another drinks manufacturer. We'll be like all of the others. Our singularity, our distinctiveness is, is the fact that there is nothing in our smoothie apart from fruit. So long story short, it took them three years uh, to find a way of commercializing production uh, on a large scale, but without 
putting any additional ingredients in or, or preservatives or any of these things. And, um, and that, it's that which has, in fact, made them so successful. And they're incredibly successful now. And the reason they're so successful is because they have tremendous authenticity. Customers absolutely trust the brand and, and trust what's in the bottle. And it's that, in, it's that authenticity that gives them the power. Um, but that's not an easy thing. You have to – it took them three years, and it cost them more to produce smoothies that way uh, than if they were to, um, to use alternative uh, production methods. Great. So they, so they kept the main thing, the main thing, which was the, the, the quality of the ingredients. Um, if, if you're you know, a, a small business and you're struggling to work out what your main thing is, I mean, very, just very quickly, how can you establish that? Do you have a well, go, I would say go with your passion. Find out what it is that you re- you are really passionate about, that you care about, and if you uh, if you focus on that, then that is going to probably going to take you a long way. Um, because if you if you care about it, other people will. Um, very briefly, Tim Waterstone, the founder of Waterstones, the book company, started uh, the company against all uh, advice to the contrary from the bankers and so on, because he believed there was a um, a, a market out there for people just like him. He didn't do any research. He just said, "I want it." I'm sure other people will too. Excellent. And, and if you're listening at the moment, and you're thinking, "Oh, that these are both these are quite big businesses, and I'm a small business." Well, uh, Innocent and Waterstones are once very small businesses, and uh, I guess that sticking to the main thing really helps. So um, let's move across to you now, Andy. Um, and Sean mentioned uh, zealous leadership. Um, how do you demonstrate zealous leadership? Well, zealous leadership is uh, defined in uh, or demonstrated rather in two ways. Uh, one of them is, of course, referring to what Sean said, but the decisions you make and the decisions you make that are in keeping with the purpose of your business and consistently, consistently so. And always framing that back and explaining the decisions that you made to everybody, particularly internally uh, in, in terms of the, uh, the purpose. And the second one is being um, visible and really championing culture. Now, you don't have to be a charismatic Richard Branson. Um, you don't have to do stunts uh, or make great, uh, have the ability to make great set, set pieces, uh, speeches. But you do have to continually walk the floors of your business, take an interest in your, your people and make sure that they understand where you're coming from. Uh, one of our favorite stories uh, in the book is from uh, it's an American, Midwest American uh, community bank called Umqua. And uh, Umqua's uh, CEO is a guy called Ray Davis, who when he took over uh, the Umqua Bank in uh, 1994, it had about assets of around uh, $400 million and um, about 60 people and is now grown to having over 12 billion uh, assets and 2,500 people. And all the way along the line, he's kept to his uh, purpose about making the going to the bank the best thing you do today. And he demonstrates uh, that inside the business. He talks constantly about how um, culture is the biggest asset we have. And he talks constantly about how uh, culture means empowerment. And, and he gives lots of opportunities to empower people, including setting up uh, a scheme whereby um, his employees are allowed to go out and practically give away money for free. Um, they can go out and do what they, they call handshake marketing, random acts of kindness where they'll buy lunch for people or uh, buy people uh, drinks that they've never met before um, just as a way of, uh, of promoting the brand. And and Ray, Ray has this thing about uh, – 
everybody in his bank has to say when they pick up the phone to a customer or they welcome somebody, welcome to the greatest bank in the world. And if you're not prepared to say that, then you don't get a job at uh, uh, Umqua. And it's a real, um, it may sound strange, but it's those sort of um, demonstrations of, uh, uh, of communicating um, the zealous leadership through what you say and the way you do it that, um, that really gets across to people that you mean it. I mean, that's, that's really interesting because I can imagine in being able to say, welcome to the greatest bank in the world, you, you probably generally have to believe that to be able to say that authentically. So I, I imagine there must be a lot of work goes on in that business to ensure that, that everybody who picks up that phone can say that in an authentic manner. Absolutely. And they say, you know, it's part of the interview process. So you say to the, you know, you may be the you know, and banking, as you know, has a lot of people in it who are a alpha type personalities and you can make a lot of money for your bank. And they say, look, if you're not prepared to pick up the phone and say, welcome to the greatest bank in the world, uh, don't care how good you are. You're not getting a job here. And that's the kind of uh, zealousness that's required. Um, a lot of leaders, again, in small businesses, of course, do naturally have to walk around the business and people sort of feel the, the, uh, you know, feel that uh, natural, authentic uh, sense that somebody really cares. Um, the challenge actually is for bigger organizations with this one, where sometimes you're so removed from the customer facing people, from a large swathe of your employees, that it's, it's sometimes difficult to, for people to see where the zealous leadership is. And, you know, one of the great examples of that, of course, was um, Herb Kellerhertz at Southwest Airlines, who, no matter how big that business got, maintained his ability to walk around that business uh, and just share a little bit of the, of the, of the magic. Um, and, and that's the kind of zealousness. Don't hide away in the boardroom. Don't hide away with your PowerPoint, your figures and your analysts. Um, get out and about inside your business uh, and just show how much you care about the people who work for you and what the business is about. Fantastic. Well, we're going to go across to commercial break now and we'll be back after the break. And well, I'll put a question to Sean, um, which is about how to really engage uh, in infectious communication. We'll be back with you again just in a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of Be More, Achieve More, and the host of the Achiever program, and also, of course, this, uh, this show. I'm delighted to have uh, Sean Smith and Andy Milligan, and we're talking about um, about being bold. And just before the break, um, I'd mentioned that uh, the next question I wanted to put to you was to Sean, and was to ask you, Sean, I mean, what are your key thoughts on on really how to engage in infectious communication? We've talked about keeping the main thing the main thing. We've talked about zealous leadership. How do you engage in infectious communication? Well, as I said earlier, there are about 110 million smartphone users now in the U.S. and uh, Europe. Um, and we know that people, for example, using their mobiles uh, typically use Facebook twice as much as uh, desktop users. And, of course, one of the key reasons for using Facebook is to like brands. And we know that that's becoming an incredibly powerful way of promoting brands. And as I said earlier, the great leveler now is the fact that small businesses can use digital marketing and social media to be heard and to to promote themselves and can often do it in a way which is uh, much better than large organizations because they've got the, you know, they're innovative. They've got that tone of voice. They've got the, uh, the, the, the sense of what's going on in the marketplace, which large organizations, as Andy said before the break, often get a little bit distance from. So it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful way of, of doing it. But nevertheless, there are some large organizations that absolutely get it right. Um, uh, a case in point is Burberry, you know, a 156-year-old brand large brand obviously uh, has its roots lie in its stores it's very much uh, traditional bricks and mortar and yet what Burberry have done over the last three years four years have really embraced digital um, in fact what they've now done is to go full cycle because they went from their stores to online and they've just last two weeks ago launched their new store in Regent Street in London and what they've done is actually bring the digital space into the store. So they use iPads, they use Facebook in the store for the customers to, to make their purchases and so on. So we've come full cycle. Um, and the reason they did that is because their purpose, and we talked about purpose earlier, their purpose is um, democratic luxury. So they want to be luxury, yes. They want to be aspirational, yes. But they want to be inclusive and make that brand available to as many people as possible. And we've all seen the the, the, the classic catwalk show, uh, which are very exclusive uh, events, of course. And a, a few hundred celebrities get to go to these things. Well, four years ago, Burberry made the decision to take the catwalk show, film it in 3D, and stream it live to five cities. So they went from a few hundred people to a few thousand. A year later, they streamed it via 80 portals, via uh, the internet so that you could be sitting with your iPad watching the show, click on a product and have it delivered a few weeks later. This year, they launched a new product called Burberry Body via Twitter and Facebook to 12 million customers. So they went from a few hundred to 12 million in four years. That's the power of, of, of digital marketing and infectious um, uh, marketing because your customers are spreading the word themselves. They're the, they, they, the, the power is, is really moving to the customer base. Fantastic. Interestingly, I was approached by I was a bank yesterday, um, just being invited to one of their events, and they were they were had a number of cities in the United Kingdom. Um, there was a, a, an event. 
I think this was was in Manchester with the founder of Innocent, who you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, and uh, and it was being streamed to a number of locations in the UK. I thought that was interesting, um, and I think they only had a couple of seats left, so obviously it was working well for them. The other thing I'd just like to say about that, if you know, if you're listening in, and I hope Sean doesn't mind, you know, what I'm finding is the way that he just articulated that actually really infectious, and. Uh, and I, just, uh, I, I just I just sort of pose the question to people is when you're out there communicating with customers trying to develop your businesses, are you always talking in an infectious way? Um, because, you know, that is that infectious nature, I guess, in Burberry, which is also you know, starts to spread outwards. Um, and then also there's all these different media that can be used to, to spread it out. So let's go across to you, Andy. And um, what's the best way to uh, dramatize the customer experience? Well, I think you've got to do three things. First of all, you've got to walk in your customer's shoes through the entire journey that they take with you from the moment they're likely to hear about you to the moment they're considering purchasing or whatever the way they do to the moment they buy to the moment they take it home or, or whatever. So going through that whole journey and walking through the customer's shoes and looking at that journey, working out uh, where are the points where which are most painful to them and where are the points we can create greatest pleasure? We we uh, we talk about uh, a well-established principle called the peak end rule, and that basically uh, says that our ex- our memory of any experience is um, defined by the moment when it was at its best, the peak of pain, pleasure, and the moment when it was at its worst, the peak of pain, and the last thing that happened to us. So, going through the journey, working out. Well, where are the things that really are hassles and, and really difficult for our customers and where are the bits where we could create something quite fantastic at the moment? And then also looking at what is it that nobody else is doing? And if you sort of and give uh, some example of that and put in some kind of context, if you think about um, uh, Virgin Atlantic and its upper class offer in the airlines market, and they did exactly that. They, you know, walked through uh, the customer's journey. And if a- every one of us has uh, taken a plane, I'm sure, and we know that, you know, it is a very hassle-filled experience from the moment you're thinking of leaving your house to get to the airport on time, to get through that long check-in security process, to hanging and milling around in uh, either the general uh, uh, departure lounge or maybe one of those increasingly now some sort of bland uh corporate lounges uh, you get on the plane it's usually okay um and then you get off the other end and you're back into the kind of hassle uh, of it all and virgin looked at that and said Look, where can we make a big difference what nobody else is doing and so they they focused on the areas that were the hassle they um they decided to offer a limousine pickup from your home so a limousine will pick you up even a limo bike if it's really bad traffic will pick you up from your home and then when you get to the airport you can go through drive through check-in so at certain airports they've got uh, you, you literally are driven through check-in the car the limo stops somebody comes and takes your bags at the back takes your passport out, out of the the car where you're sitting in the seat and then you drive right through and you don't go through all that hassle and then you're into of course the uh, the fabulous and famous virgin club experience and people often try and leave earlier to get and spend more time at the Virgin uh, Club Lounge where you can play golf and uh, have great cocktails and have all kinds of fun. And it was all about um, looking at where are the points that we can make really memorable for uh, customers because they aren't expecting it to be and where we can really dial up what we're about. For Virgin, it's all about creating the sense of fun and, and you know, a uh, word that um, – 
uh, Sean used earlier for Burberry, democratizing experiences. And they've, and they've even tried to do that with the Virgin Galactic experience, um, where the challenge there is you buy a ticket to get on a, a, a spaceship and you aren't going to go on that spaceship for several years. So you've paid your $200,000. Uh, what are you going to do? Because you're not going to wait for several years until you get on the the spaceship. Well, of course, they had the great idea of, well, why don't we make you an astronaut and put you on an astronaut program? And so they, uh, you know, they take people to Necker Island and uh, they put them through an astronaut tr uh, training program. And again, it makes people feel really part of a fantastic experience. So that's the way to do it. And to, and to again, be bold about it and, and think through what would be the most fun, wonderful way we could bring this alive to people and then have the guts to do it. Fantastic. And I, <clears throat> I guess the... Um, you know, for people listening in into this, um, it's thinking about within the framework of what you're doing right now, because um, it might not be um, you might not be in the market to go and uh, become an astronaut. Um, but thinking in the framework of what you're doing, how can you dramatize the experience in whatever your setting is uh, for your customers? Um, even if you know it's uh, you're working in a hair salon or you've got a um, a, um, a a garage or something like that, and um, what can you do? that dramatizes that experience but um sean so, so, so just i just want to actually on that point because you mentioned hairdresser um i give you a good and very personal experience um last last year for various reasons uh while we're having some work done on the house i, I was uh, living in a different part of london and i went to visit a uh, a local hairdresser called the fantastic hairdresser company it's just a single uh, hairdresser uh, uh in chiswick um and uh the way they dramatize the experience is they take your, you know, they, they make it all fun and quite nice when you're sitting down there. They take your mo uh, mobile number. And then for the next month, you get these fun texts from them. I get a text from them every, every month. I'm, uh, you know, offering me, uh, fun, th more, you know, interesting things. And it keeps you in mind. You think, well, it doesn't cost anything. And it's a bit different from the average, um, you know, cut and shave, uh, experience. So there are lots of ways you can engage customers without having to send and fly them off to an expensive island somewhere. Uh, you just have to think about, uh, you just have to think imaginatively and, and, and uh, dare to want to get close to them. Definitely. That's a good, great example. Um, sure, sure. Now, uh, you mentioned also uh, WOW. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't the principles that have just been described by Andy, have they already described it? Or is it, is it something else that you're referring to? Well, it, it's slightly different. I mean, obviously what Andy's talked about is, is, is kind of a wow experience um, in terms of the, 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 the technology, but you can have wow experiences um, at a much more sort of pro, prosaic level, if you will. So let's take the example of, uh, of Zappos, the online retailer. They, they started out selling shoes, and Tony Shea, the chief executive, said, well, you know what, that's fine. We're doing pretty well, but is that what we want to do for the rest of our lives? Do we want to carry on selling shoes, or do we want to do something more meaningful? And they decided that actually something more meaningful would be um, delivering happiness. Now, that may sound a little bit glib, um, but they said, you know what, that's what we'd love to do. We'd like to deliver happiness to our customers. And we may do that through selling shoes or selling something else, but actually we, we want them to have a great experience. And um, remember, it's a call center operation. It's uh, online and call center operation. So nothing very uh, fancy at all, but they deliver well moments. So to give you an example of that, 
Um, one of our customers by the name of Wendy Fitch bought some shoes, and she subscribed to the the regular newsletter that Zappos sends out. And one particular time, they sent out the uh, the newsletter, um, and she was um, out away from home, in fact, running for for breast cancer for charity. So there was a uh, she had an out of office uh, notification on. It bounced back to Zappos saying, "I'm out of the office for the next few days, running for breast cancer." Well, one of the agents in the call center in Zappos picked this up, went out in her lunch hour, bought a greetings card, wrote in it and sent it to Wendy. And when Wendy got back from her cancer run, she found this card saying, dear Wendy, wanted to thank, you know, wanted to wish you all the very best and congratulate you on your run from all your friends at Zappos. Well, Wendy was so touched by this that she wrote a blog about it. It got picked up by the national media. She was invited onto TV to talk about her experience. Result was Zappos got huge amounts of positive publicity, but that wasn't the reason they did it. The reason that they did it, the agent did it, was because she wanted to deliver happiness. And she understood that purpose. and She wanted to create a well moment. So she was absolutely clear about what she needed to do. So it can be very, very small things, things which your listeners can absolutely do in their business. It's all about thinking about the customer and how we can make that uh, an incredible moment for them. Uh, I would think that would be a wonderful, wouldn't it be a wonderful principle if uh, all the businesses in, in, in the country adopted that attitude? Uh, we'd, uh, I think we'd be living in a much better, better world. Um, Andy, uh, the, the next principle was cult-like culture. Now, I, I work for a company uh, called Mars, um, which, which was a, is a confectionery and uh, various other product company. And, and it was about 12 years ago that I left them. But they had a quite a cult-like culture. I've got to admit, it was actually a great thing to be part of, and you know, I can still recall the values that are still inside me like a stick of rock, as, as is the family story. And I wonder how you best achieve a cult-like culture, and and also kind of you know where the balance is with regards to you know is it brainwashing? <laughs> well, I think you answered it in your. Uh... Uh, preamble there, uh, Chris. Uh, it's about identifying people who share your same values and your same attitude uh, towards life or towards, uh, uh, particularly towards work. Um, and then it isn't brainwashing. It's a it's a meeting of minds. It's um, a, you know it's it's soul mating, uh, not brainwashing. Um, and a lot of the I think a big one of the biggest challenges for businesses at the moment is to get that sense of engagement with employees um, where they really feel this is where I want to belong. This is, I really feel valued here. I will put the extra effort in, etc. cetera. Um, one of our, um, our, again, our favorite stories is uh, the Geek Squad. And this is a business that's now uh, very large in America. I think it's the uh, number one uh, provider of uh, domestic PC repair. It's now in um, the UK, but it started off just one guy, uh, Robert Stevens, um, who just liked to fix PCs, and he used to fix it, fix them for his uh, his friend's mums. Um, and because he was so into it, he was a self-declared geek. Um, he wouldn't charge that much, but he would also make it really engaging because he liked to communicate about, you know, explain what was going wrong with the uh, the computer. Um, and he would get a lot of feedback about how. It was really fun having him around to come and fix computers. Um, and he sort of got an insight into, oh, God, there could be a business in this, making, uh, making fixing something like computers uh, a fun and engaging experience. And you can only do that 
if you love fixing computers, if you're a geek. And as he grew the business, he just stumbled intuitively along a number of uh, ways of finding people who were like him. And part of it was uh, he decided that uh, you know, he dressed like a geek. So he'd wear a geek's uniform, white shirt, black tie, black trousers, white socks, black shoes. Um, and, you know, people who want to dress up like that are the kind of people you'll want to get have working for you. Um, but seeing those uniforms go around attracts people. Um, and he did some also really f- fun things. Um, he got the rights to the Shaw Brothers um, uh, Bruce Lee films. Now, the, the, the Bruce Lee, the famous... Uh, kung fu actor and he would show screenings all night screenings of kung fu films and when asked why he said look i'm looking for geeks who else is going to turn up and watch an all-night kung fu cinema fest other than geeks it's my best recruiting arm so because when you get those people they love to work for a company that's full of geeks like them and then it isn't about as i say it isn't about brainwashing and when they do the recruitment process they they uh, they throw in questions and challenges, uh, which are the kind of challenges that um, a geek a geek would would like. So it, you have to think very carefully about who you are, uh, what are the kind of values that you're looking for in other people. Not the skill set, because the skill set can largely be trained, but the core values in people. Um, and you've got to find you know, your own way of, uh, of, 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 um, you know, attracting them. But it's back to, you know, Sean's point at the very beginning about lush. Uh, where do you find your people? Well, they don't, we don't find them. They find us. Um, you become known for something and you create a culture around it and it drags people, it draws people in and then you'll find people are very, very productive. So, um, I think that's the that that's that is key to it. Doing things that are going to help you find the kind of people who are like you. I I guess I mean one of the remember one of the principles many years ago when I I was in a, a trainer and what have you in Mars the organisation was knowledge, attitude, and skills. And we always said that knowledge could be uh, learned, picked up, uh, skills could be acquired, but that attitude um, is the uh, the key fundamental thing to find. And I, and I guess what you're describing there is that if you if you have a certain attitude and do certain things in a certain way, um, you can attract people of that attitude towards you through the way that you behave. Absolutely. But I think it's gone even a bit further than that now. It's it's almost at uh, sort of the next level of that, which is um, it's not even just so much about attitude, but about shared purpose. So there will be lots of people who are willing to work hard, lots of people who uh, are decent and uh, you know honest and have integrity. But then there's also uh, a sense of shared purpose. And there's been some research recently uh, that's, that's been uh, done in the States looking at a lot of organizations and where they get uh, engagement and uh, amongst their employees. And they've boiled it down to, to three factors. They call it uh, mastery, autonomy and purpose. And the mastery is the the um, the autonomy is a sense of empowerment. You get you you give people the the freedom to get on with their jobs, and all the businesses that we're talking about in bold all have that sense of empowerment. Once they believe they've hired the right people, they let them get on and make decisions uh, that you would trust any adult to make, particularly with the customers. The mastery bit is about giving them the skills, not just the uh, technical skills, but the support, the processes behind it. But the purpose bit is really interesting: is making them feel that that they are doing is a higher purpose than just putting profits into somebody else's pocket or even uh, a better bonus for themselves. People get up in the morning to go and have fun, to do something that uh, at the end of the day they can look back and say, 
it was a better day on this planet for me than yesterday. Um, and it's, you know, it's really the key is uh, almost going back to that very first principle. What's your purpose? Um, and engage people with that. Okay, and it's, um, it's, it's, it's just to add to, to that point, and the interesting thing is that there's also a lot of research which is indicating that increasingly consumers are more willing to give their business and spend money with those brands with whom they identify, uh, particularly when they share the values or the purpose of that particular brand. So, um, in fact, one one uh, one researcher sums it up by saying that that purpose is now the the fifth P of marketing uh, to, to add to the traditional you know marketing mix of uh, product price promotion etc. I think that makes an awful lot of sense, and I guess I guess the name on most people's minds is at the moment is Apple when it comes to uh, you know feeling linked in with the the purpose of an organisation. Um, I just wonder how how do you think, Sean, that listeners can apply these principles themselves, you know, as as entrepreneurs or or as leaders? What's your tips on that? Uh, well, let's start with what you've just said there, Chris, because I think uh, you know you've raised uh, the example of Apple, which of course is now the most profitable brand ever in the history of of of, uh, of companies. Um, but it started with one man in his garage, or two or two guys in his garage, right? Steve uh, Wozniak and and Steve Jobs um, in, in the in the garage, and if you look at many, many great brands, and you look at the founders of those brands, um, the thing that is true for many of them is they started with an idea that they were passionate about, and they were willing to invest time and effort and resource and, and sometimes money into pushing that idea as, as, as much as they possibly could. And I guess the difference between um, a successful entrepreneur and an unsuccessful entrepreneur is often the fact that the successful person has been willing to do something with the idea. You know, how often do we hear people say, oh, you know, I had that idea. Well, yes, you may have done, but did you do anything with it? Did you actually invest time and effort in pursuing it? So I think it starts with that idea, what, knowing what you're passionate about and being willing to commit to doing something with it. I think it's then about finding the people to share the journey. So just as Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak you know, were, were friends first and foremost, um, they shared that journey. Um, you know, without being too sort of lyrical about it, but you know, over the last 10 years or so, Andy and I have written a number of books together and you know, writing books is not an easy thing sometimes, and, but it's, it's been a fun journey because fundamentally we share a lot of the same interests and the same passion and we enjoy each other's company. And I remember Andy once saying to me that when deciding whether to work with somebody or not, a very good litmus test is to say, is to ask this question, would you want to be sitting on a long haul flight with that person for 10 hours? And if the answer is no, well, think very carefully about whether you, uh, whether you work with them. Um, so, it, you know, I think it's about finding the people who share who want to share the journey with you because um that's what makes it fun um and and then and i think finally just constantly walking in your customer's shoes as andy said earlier um taking that 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 customer centric view of life because if you are constantly thinking about how can we create more value for our customers and by value i don't mean in terms of price i mean in terms of the benefits they get how can we make it more fun more pleasurable, less painful, and better than our competitors. And if you do that, then you'll be successful. That's fantastic. Very, very quickly, we've only got about a, a minute or so before I need to wrap up. Uh, I wonder how can people find out more about these principles, Andy? 
Well, of course, there's the book Bold, uh, How to Be Brave in Business and Win, um, which is uh, available. Uh, you, it's still in, uh, uh, if you're flying by airports, you often find it in, in airport bookstores. It's also on Amazon. Um, also, um, it, there's an app. So you can buy the book online. You can buy, you can download the book in chapters. We, uh, we decided to be bold in our approach to our book and uh, created the first uh, uh, book that was uh, tailored for the e uh, and digital marketing world. So, um, if you go on to um, the to the website um, Bold the Book, uh, you can download the app, which will do two things. One, you can take a, a free survey to find out how bold your business is, and two, it can take you through and then recommend chapters that you can buy uh, chapter by chapter. And it's a very clever algorithm. Uh, very clever algorithm that you, as you buy the chapters, chapters get. Yeah. I've got, cheaper. I've got, to, I've got to stop you there, um, and uh, and sort of wrap up because we've, we've run out of time. But uh, if, you, if you want to find out more about Sean Smith, go to www.smithcoconsultancy.com, and uh, then about Andy, uh, www.thecaffeinepartnership.com. That's C-A-F-F-E-I-N-E partnership.com. Uh, if you have any questions or feedback, please send them to Chris at bemoreachievemore.com, or you can leave comments on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash be more achieve more um, next next week's show um, is going to be it's, it's Thanksgiving in the US it's going to be a rerun of the show with Jonathan Fahl about private equity funding some great tips there if you're looking to acquire funding for your business and then the, the, the week after on the 30th it's going to be about strategy on a page with Derry Llewellyn um, Davis, who has a fabulous concept, um, which a lot of people are finding really interesting right now. He's also an adventurer, which makes uh, it interesting too. But guys, thank you very much for being on the show today. I hope you've enjoyed the experience. Very much, sir, thank Chris. You. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you, you're Chris. Very, you're very welcome. And uh, I shall speak again to you all shortly. Have a great week. We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 